Hello and welcome to the Mindful Coach Podcast, a podcast where you'll meet the courageous coaches and helping professionals who value mindfulness in their life and work and hear their inspiring stories firsthand. You'll hear about new technology that is breaking new ground, as well as discussions with experts to help you be more successful in your practice. It's going to be a lot of fun, and you're going to meet some remarkable people. And I'm your host, Brett Hill. I'm a Mindful Somatic Coach and founder of the Mindful Coach Association. I meet a lot of coaches working with the Mindful Coach Association. I'm so inspired by their stories and the courageous work that they're doing that I created this podcast so you can hear them too. If you're aligned with this work, then join us at themindfulcoachassociation.com, where you can list your services for absolutely free and receive invitations to community meetings where you can network and meet your colleagues. We hope you'll join us. And now, the Mindful Coach Podcast. So welcome to the Mindful Coach Podcast. We have a special guest today, Elizabeth Swan. Elizabeth is a member of the Mindful Coach Association and I ran into her. We started talking, and I said, I've got to have her on the show. She has a really unique background and a special point of view. I just wanted people to hear. So here's her background. Elizabeth spent over 20 years in transportation, operations, logistics, and consulting services before turning to life coaching. As she likes to say, she's always been in the business of getting people where they want to go. And she really is. You're going to really appreciate her very practical point of view when you hear from her. She studied Earth Systems as an undergraduate at the University of Massachusetts, Human Dimensions of Natural Resource Management as a graduate student at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks. And she's been a certified planner with the American Planning Association since 2018. She lives in Seattle, in addition to having her heart's home in Fairbanks, Alaska. She's a writer, a musician, a mother, a sister, a partner, and a friend, and I should say, a coach. Elizabeth also is a graduate of the Martha Beck Institute Wayfinders Life Coach training program. and her coaching practice, she helps high achievers and deep seekers realize their full potential in navigating everyday life. So welcome to the Mindful Coach Podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here with you, Brett. Well, thank you. It's been great uh, getting to know you in our conversations and I just wanted to ask you, like, how is it that you made this transition from all these years of studying, you know, transportation and getting logistics from here to there and, and the complexities there, which I don't think a lot of people probably really fully appreciate the, you know, the complexity of that world. But and then you made a pivot into life coaching. So tell us a little bit about what brought you into this this entire world of getting from here to there. And then how you got from there to here, if you know what I mean. I, I do. I love, I love that question. You've really kind of hit the nail on the head because you can only ever get anywhere else from exactly where you are right now, right? And there were a lot of reasons why I selected the training that I did as I was moving into life coaching. This idea of wayfinding really speaks to me because if anything about even just how you introduced me speaks for itself, I have myself been finding my own way for all of my 43 years now. And on paper, you know, the dots are pretty meandering. But when I look backwards about how I've always navigated my own life, my own decisions, you know, what am I choosing and doing next? It's all very clear to me because of what I've been following internally as my guide. And I think as I've moved toward coaching, all of these experiences, especially the ones I've struggled my way through, 
are serving me now because I understand how important it has been to really listen to that internal knowing, even if on paper or to anybody outside of my inner self. It's like, what is she doing? And how does this follow for what she was doing before? Yeah. Um, and it was, it was delightful to kind of transition from transportation to coaching as to work in transportation. But I, the lessons that I've learned there, especially the business of really drilling back down to the fundamental thing we're doing here. And I would tell this to my dispatch teams and my drivers and everybody that ever worked with me knows, like at the end of the day, we're just getting people from A to B. Like it's a really beautiful thing to know mm -hmm. the fundamental you're falling back on and everything else is just the idea of how we want it to go. And so I the journey, the journey and yeah. it even, yeah, the, the getting from the A to B isn't the point so much as, you know, how you're, how you're doing along the way. So I really am grateful that all of the washed out bridges and flat tires and breakdowns and maintenance <laughs> issues and no showing drivers and all of the teams I've worked with for really teaching me inside of that world, what it means to, to think ahead, to plan, to be prepared. And then at the end of the day, be willing to let it all go for what really matters mm. fundamentally. What am I really doing here in this moment? So and I really, I really like that. It, there's, it, there's something really perfect about the career of logistics and moving objects from point A to point B as a metaphor for one's life. Absolutely. And all of the, all of the things that you mentioned, the flat tires, the washed out bridges, I mean, that's in some ways not that different in concept from, hey, I got laid off from my job. Oh, well, that's, you know, a washed out bridge. You know, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to find another route. You know? Exactly. So does that play into the way that you work with people? Absolutely. You know, I think what I encounter most often in the coaching space, you know, people come because something's not quite right, usually, because we don't tend to have a problem with things we agree with. We don't tend to have a problem with things that we're enjoying and that are going right for us. And they show up in the coaching space because something something's just kind of off. And often what I find is that there are thoughts or ideas about the way things that maybe they thought were going to, they were supposed to be a certain way or they imagined them being a certain way. And the reality that they're experiencing, the daily life that they're living, either it's not lining up with something that they had in their own mind. And we can take a look at that. You know, what are the thoughts, the beliefs, the imaginings that were there? Or, and this is a lot of what I tell people, like that discomfort's actually a really perfect place to start because it means that you have something you already know inside of you that either isn't being affirmed or supported or reinforced by the everyday life that you're living. But the good news is the discomfort is telling you that there is a truth that you know. And hopefully through this process of, you know, being together and getting curious and asking questions, we're going to find what it is that you're feeling that you know that is, isn't quite lining up with the everyday life that you're living. Um, again, mm -hmm. back to that, you know, I had this imagining of how A to B was going to look, and it's not looking that way. And so let's, let's take a look at, you know, why it's uncomfortable and what's really important to be focusing on in this moment. And part of the reason I think that that, you know, when I speak to working with these high achievers and deep seekers trying to navigate everyday life, I mean, particularly if you're a person who's compelled to be up to big things and you really feel like you're called to more, 
But every day you wake up and you're faced with, you know, getting up, getting dressed, brush your teeth, go to work, get the kids to school. I mean, life is just right there in your face. And that's what you're living in every moment. And so it's <laughs> that, life thing. that life thing. It's easy to lose sight or feel like you've gotten lost in your own life. Um, and so I, I love the coaching process for getting people reconnected with what, what is that A to B? What was they? What were they imagining it was going to look like? What's it actually looking like? And and how do we get you feeling like you're enjoying the journey and and taking the journey you want to be taking in the first place? Yes, exactly. There's a way we can bridge to some of the concepts of mindfulness here in the sense of the traditional definition of mindfulness by John Kabat-Zinn includes component of being non-judgmental or accepting things as they are. And so when I hear you say what did you think was going to be happening versus how what's actually happening and then rather than railing against the, that you don't have the trip that you were imagining you were going to have just accepting the fact that it is what it is and then making plans from there absolutely you know as this is the mindful coach podcast are there any other tenets of mindfulness or mindful practices that you use that you found valuable in your work Oh, gosh. I mean, that that's sort of it right there. Really being present in that the exact moment where you find yourself, you're not going to be anywhere else. The, coming right back to the moment, where am I really? What is really happening around me? What are really my resources? What is it that's really important? The taking the pause in any moment to just be exactly where you are is kind of where we started at the beginning. You cannot get anywhere from anywhere except for exactly where you're at. And so anytime there's this moment of disorientation or disruption or suddenly the expectation is not the reality, really pausing, being present with who you are, where you are, what is happening, what are the resources, what's important, that really grounding moment is going to be the moment from which you go anywhere next. So how do you help people discover that? Like somebody comes to you and they're all been out of shape, shape because their journey isn't what they thought. They have a layoff, they have a disruption, and they're not connected to the trip that they, they're still, they're connected to the trip that they wish they were having and they're, they don't feel resourced. How much you go about helping someone orient around, you know, the principles that you just mentioned? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think we all have our couple of go-to questions, right? Um, one of the ones that, well, a couple things. W what could be better is always a general starter. But sometimes when people, you know, look, they'll go on about what the problem is and they'll think it's really obvious. And depending on my relationship and the partnership, I might be so pointed as to say, well, what's the problem with that? And that sometimes there's this moment of indignation. It's like, well, I just told you I lost my job, my, I, you know, all these pressures. It's like, yeah, but that's, that's, so what's the problem with that? That's what's happening. And I also like to, to call this, you know, sometimes when I work shackling with people, how to live a self-centering life without feeling self-centered. And sometimes it's just this really simple trick of making yourself the actual own literal subject of your sentence. You know, if I say, what's the problem? It's like, well, you know, my, my boss laid me off, you know, well, your boss is the subject of that sentence. So getting people to the point that they can say, you know, as the subject of their own sentence, what the problem is. So maybe I, I lost my job. And then the question is, well, why does that matter to you? 
you know, that's the statement of the problem. But like, what is it that really matters to you that's in conflict with the fact that you just lost your job? And usually it has something to do with, you know, fear of uncertainty or feeling like you have this obligation to provide. And you can go even deeper than that. Why is that a problem? Why does that matter to you? So getting to be the subject of your own sentences and then really getting down to the root of why that's important to you sometimes will turn up things like for me fundamentally one of mine is usually that like oh i have a des- i have a deep desire to be witnessed or i want to feel connected i want to feel more freedom you know these problems that we started with like oh, i don't like my job if you really dig down you know, what's the problem with that why does that matter to you we can get down to these really kind of heartfelt nuggets of what that deep longing is inside of a person. And from the knowing what the longing is, then you can work back outwards again and say, well, what would it look like for you to feel witnessed? What would it look like for you to feel connected? And then you have something real and tangible that you can talk about bringing into an everyday life. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. And and the thing that you've helped them connect to there is something that isn't so situational Mm -hmm. because it's personal. Right. So it's so okay. It's a the that job I don't have anymore, but I can feel connected to a lot of things. Right. And back to sort of that A to B. From the work I've done on myself in my own life, you know, I know that myself is expressed really through service, creativity, and love. And I have things underneath those headings that I know I can do in any moment to bring myself back into service, creativity, and love. And so sometimes when I'm feeling really disoriented. You know, or I just got really mad at my partner and my daughter because they left their dirty dishes in the sink again. Like, what do I want to feel? And I'll go and I'll sit down at the piano and I'll play for a couple minutes or I'll just walk out onto the back deck and pull in a, you know, lung full of backyard air. You know, there are things that I know can bring me back to the present moment and back to the expressions, you know, and, and experiences of self that really keep me feeling the way I want to feel in my life. And so these sort of deep explorations really can bring you back to very practical ways to feel connected and and moving forward in daily life. Yeah, those touch points are really super important. I I use that in my own coaching a lot, where I I actually give people assignments to go find those moments, go find those things, make a list of them and deal them into your everyday life multiple times a day because because it is about practicing the, I think of it from a neurological point of view, the neurology, another way to say it, is simply the habit of connecting to those grounding experiences, those non-egocentric nourishment, Ron Kirsch from, would call it, who founded the Hakomi Method, of connecting to that fresh air, connecting to the beauty of the piano, and that connection, practicing that connection to those things, because those things are not dependent on any particular kind of thing happening in your life. You know, that's just like the, you you create those moments by stepping into them, giving them to yourself, and that becomes a resource that you can have any time. Right. And you add a bunch of those to your day, suddenly your day is better. Right. And you have a bunch of better days, you've improved your life. Right. Oh, and I think something you said there is really important, too, in terms of finding what those things are inside of yourself. You know, this touches on some things I know you and I have discussed before, what it looks like or what can happen in a life when you when you don't know what those are. One of the things I work with clients on, too, is making sure that those are things that are within your control. You know, my sense of gratitude, grat- gratitude for me is really a, an easy gateway emotion for getting back into myself and back into the moment. 
if you put all of your, you know, motivations or connections to self in things that are outside of you, that are external to you, you kind of lose your power and control and responsibility when it comes to getting back to yourself. So, you know, it, for example, if I'm like, oh, well, I can do anything for my daughter, it makes my daughter this external locus of of meaning and value. And so as much as possible, finding those things inside of the self that you can always in any moment connect back to, that's really important, I find, when people are, you know, they've been lost a little bit in their own life. They're trying to find their way back. What is it inside of you that you can reconnect with in any moment that brings you back on course and feeling good about the experience that you're having? It's so interesting you're saying that. I was just writing yesterday around using sort of a metaphor around coaching and saying, if someone comes into your world or into your coaching practice and they say, oh, I'm having trouble figuring out, I was literally talking about this A to B sort of destination scenario. So this is so interesting. This comes up in this particular conversation. But someone says, oh, I feel like I'm not headed to the right place anymore. And I said, well, as a coach, you can help them figure out where to go, or you can help them figure out where their North Star is so they know how to navigate. Yeah. And so I'm hearing a lot of this, what I would call this North Star focus, like how do you create within yourself a way to navigate your world from a place of center, from a place of connectedness that allows you to orient in times of stress. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a tremendous gift to give people, a tremendous thing to tell people. Absolutely. I know that we've touched before on, you know, the experience I've had over the last three years of losing my, my, my big brother. And there's so much of my life leading up to the, the time I was losing him that prepared me to be really present with that experience and to really be conscious about holding space for what he was going through. And I think we were talking before about learning the right lessons from the wrong examples. He was a beautiful human being. And so, so often in the weeks leading up to him passing away, the thing he said over and over and over and over again was, I don't know what to do. He was brilliant. I mean, in a, a textbook way, but also in terms of his humor and his brightness of the world. But he, he was, I think, very disconnected from this kind of internal knowing we're talking about. And he really struggled to know how to look inward and I believed him when he said, I don't know what to do, because it was very much this cerebral trying to figure out, you know, what's the right thing to do next? What's the expectation I'm supposed to be meeting? What's the role I'm playing? What are the responsibilities that I'm, you know, satisfying? And really what mattered was kind of that inner knowing about, you know, am I happy with this? Am I self-expressed with this? Am I satisfied? Am I loving the life that I'm living? And that's not a thing that you know intellectually. It's really something you cultivate internally and that you feel and you learn to recognize and affirm as you're living your life. And when that is absent, it, it has these really devastating consequences for people. That's very real to me in my coaching. I really do feel like, you know, sometimes you really are up to the business of saving a life by getting someone reconnected with what is really important to that where uh, your words are really impacting me. I'm feeling them really deeply and I appreciate what you're saying and the depth of your connection to this is impactful. And I'm sure your clients benefit from that too. I wanted to ask you a question about moving from the world of logistics to the world of coaching. Like, what was it that caused you to turn that leaf, to, to change 
your focus because there's, you know, there, as you've been talking about, it's an interesting journey. <laughs> journey, yeah. It's an interesting collection of, of, of interests and the way that they align with you is very, very fascinating. So I'm just interested in what was it caused you to flip that switch and now that you're doing and now you're doing coaching? It was a really long way home, I think is a, a quick way to start. So I originally the joke was that I ended up in transportation because I wanted to write about landscape. So that was a fun one for a while. <laughs> um, and where that came from really is just this lifelong deep interest in people's stories. You know, I love asking people, where's home for you? And I don't necessarily always just mean geographically, like what is the landscape that speaks to you? What's the coffee shop that you just feel like you want to be in? Or if people tell me their jobs, I'll say, and did you start doing that on purpose or did that just kind of happen to you? <laughs> um, and people always have a story. I've always been really interested in what drives people, what motivates people. And I also really just love the outdoors. And so I had an interest in kind of writing about people's connection to place, writing about our human experience in parallel to natural earth processes. And I, I wound up at college. I was a little bit disillusioned. I majored in everything, you know, probably 10 different things for about five minutes apiece. And um, <laughs> but all really was I had this kind of just passionate interest in people's stories, what motivated them and and what made them make the decisions that they made. And it, it just so happened that as I was being realistic about what it would mean to write about landscape, I felt like I should be knowledgeable about that. So I took an introduction to mountain buildings course in my three and a half <laughs> year of college and fell in love with the earth sciences with, you know, shifting continents and understanding, you know, the the tilt and the wobble of of the planet on its axis and where the seasons come from. And it just really was, really pulled me in. And so I switched from the humanities into the sciences, like seven semesters into college. And I had been working at a student. And it was perfect. It was perfect. I, I got to study with Lynn Margulis, who was just a really formidable and powerful scientist and woman, and gave up a job I'd been working at at a student-run business and got a bus driver's license because I could drive a bus without getting super, you know, involved emotionally. And it just turned out that I took... Wait, wait, wait the other thing, the other thing was emotionally? Chef, right? I mean, it just, yeah, well, I, I tend to get myself hung up on, on all whatever I decide to care about. But it just, it worked, obviously. It worked. I, I took my my earth sciences degree, my management experience, my bus driver's license. And I went and I drove, I was a tour guide in Alaska for several years. I loved it. It pulled together storytelling. Exactly. I have so many guests. It so perfect. It was you. beautiful. I loved, you know, encouraging people to look out the windows and here's how to interpret the landscape. I got to participate in powerful moments in people's lives, legacy trips, bucket list trips. And I loved sharing just enough that people could look out the windows and interpret things for themselves. I still kind of feel that way about coaching. But as I grew as a manager, and I think that's the other piece of it, was everywhere I worked, I ended up in leadership and management. And my most fulfilling aspects of all the jobs I've ever had have been working with employees, really developing people, and again, getting them where they want to go. What do you love about this job? What connects with you? Where do you want to be? How could this job serve you in getting you where you want to go next? And as I continued to grow in my career and I worked with more and more people, again, back to the the people part of it, I loved working with people and understanding them and figuring out how to help them get where they really where they really wanted to go. 
So that's been the through line for me, just this deep curiosity in people's stories and wanting to see people connected and fulfilled in their own lives. I mean, that's that's the name of the game for me, living connected, fulfilled lives, whatever that looks like for you. Well, when you say it like that, it seems like, well, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course it worked out like Rocks this. and buses and writing. Oh, my. It makes perfect sense, right? <laughs> Obviously. Right. And, and, and in all of it, you were helping people get to where they want to go. Where they want to go. And taking yourself there, too. And so there's something very profound about that in you. My curiosity gets peaked a little bit. You were talking about how you like to hear people's stories. And I wanted to ask you almost a coaching question, like, what does that do for you? What happens to you when you hear people's stories? What does that connect you to? So, oh, funny, I didn't imagine talking about this today. I mentioned, well, I guess I revealed a little bit of my own secret that I have this deep desire and this longing to be witnessed. Um, but that's also a part of me that shows up powerfully in these experiences with others. I was just sharing with a friend recently that I think of an inseparable element of me in my story is that I think I was sort of a born witness or a born mirror. I think that when people encounter me, what I can offer back is just this very clear, non-judgmental, no expectation reflection of your purest, loveliest self. I think this is part of one of the most intoxicating things about falling in love, that when when we're falling in love with someone, you know, romantically speaking, I think part of what we're really encountering is the lovable parts of ourselves. Suddenly we realize we have all these stories to tell and, oh my gosh, I'm funny and I forgot that. This person laughs at my jokes. This, I think that we, we re-meet ourselves in the process of falling in love. And I think that um, you know, part of what we train in ourselves as coaches is being this clear space. I think that's a space that has been very natural for me my whole life. And when I encounter another human being, I'm really calling on myself to just clearly, plainly, cleanly mirror back the qualities of their highest self that they bring into the space. And so I really, truly feel like I get to encounter the best in other human beings in the coaching space. It's really beautiful, wonderful, calm time for me where I get to reach in, pull up my mirror, and just reflect back and in so doing experience for myself these really enduring, beautiful qualities in other human beings. They're inside of every single one of us, and it just so happens that now by, you know, vocation and calling and profession, I get to mirror and thereby experience these beautiful qualities in other human beings. It's beautiful. I keep saying the word. It's just I feel it when I reflect it back in another person. It's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful. It's a somatic experience, a whole body experience. Yeah. That's, I love that so much. And you're really saying in your own words the kind of work that you know, I do a lot of as well. John Eisman, who created the recreation of the self method, his language for that kind of thing is he calls them the absolutes, you know, truth, beauty, justice, peace. And so accessing those absolutes in yourself as a reflection of someone else and then just being in that space while someone else who's got some problem, you know, engages with you, just that connection, in my view, is 
healing and helpful for the client. Just the fact that you're sitting in that space and they're engaging with you in some way helps them connect with someone who is reflecting back the very best of who they are in a non-judgmental, open, accepted, and no agenda way. It's not like it's not like you've got to push. Oh, it's really important that I tell them this. Just like you're just going to be. Pre- and I'm, hopefully, I'm not making this up for you. No, and it's just. Like, it's true, and there's no right answer. Like I was saying before, if someone comes in and at first what they're articulating is the problem, what happened, what was unpleasant, to then have someone receive all of that, I, I think it's so rare for people now to actually get to be the center of their own attention, to just speak and be without encountering another person's advice, opinion, reaction, to just get to be into a clean, clear space, to, to say all of that and unload all of that, and then have another person say, well, what's important to you about that? They didn't get all hung up on the details. They wanted more. They wanted deeper. And I think that cues or communicates to a, a client or anybody that you're interacting with as a person, oh, I have more in there to offer. And they're asking me what that is. They're asking me what else I have to offer. And it, that alone, being witnessed, being the center of their own attention and being asked what's more in you that can come out, I, that really is a powerful part of the coaching process, I think, for people. Yes, I would absolutely agree. It's like when you ask that question, when you open that door, suddenly you're inviting a resource place for the client to connect to that probably has been ignored. And that coming into their awareness has become something they can use to engage with that has always been there, but is underactivated in their life. And, And when you bring those resources forward, it makes a difference in the way you organize, like I use the term organize, around your problems because now you're more resourced. Right. And that's a wonderful thing to witness whenever you see clients just sort of automatically realize, oh, I don't have to build this house by just stacking boards. I have a hammer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, oh, that changes everything. Exactly. <laughs> it, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm going to take this back to transportation, too. It's like, well, it gives away a little bit of the secret, right? I or I believe coming into the coaching space that the client actually already knows everything that they need to know. I'm just helping them get reconnected to it. And I'm, for whatever reason, thinking about the experience of raising my daughter, that my greatest hope for her is that she'll come to a place where she's confident navigating whatever situation she finds herself in. Not because I can prepare her for everything, not because you you know, always know exactly how you're going to get there. But really what I hope for people is they develop this enduring confidence that they're going to be able to figure it out. They have everything that they need. And so it's really rewarding and satisfying to kind of watch somebody go off into their own life, not knowing exactly how it's going to turn out, not knowing exactly, maybe exactly where point B is, but they really know and they're confident that they're going to figure it out as they go, that they have everything they need, They know everything they need to know to just show up in the moment, handle what's there, and it's they're going to be okay. I I love seeing people develop that confidence that they've got it, whatever it is, they they've got it. (laughs) That'd be that's that'd be great. That'd be great. Where do I sign up for that? Right, right. And I wanted to ask you. It's like you said, and I you know I subscribed to this by wanting to get your point of view that you know people have within them. The knowledge of how to how to grow, how to move forward, 
But how do you think people get disconnected from that in such a way that they need to seek out help to recover that? Yeah. Sometimes really big things happen and we get a really big message, you know, disruption or we make a choice and the people around us really disagree. But I think the rest really does happen very subtly and slowly. And, you know, not to dig too far back, but I mean, right from the moment we emerge into the world, we get these cues and signals from the environment like... You're like, oh, if I cry, mom comes or dad comes or caretaker comes or, oh, if I do that, I get a, I get a tisk tisk and I get a punishment. We get all these cues about how it is acceptable to be, how it is acceptable to express ourselves, And we're picking that up all the time, whether we realize it or not. We're adapting our behavior. And by the time you get into adulthood or early adulthood, by the time I went off to college, well, I knew at least as much that college was where I was ex- expected to go, which is probably why I majored in 15 things for five minutes apiece. I didn't actually know what I was doing there, except that I was supposed to be there, right? Supposed to be. Yeah. So you're meeting all these expectations and and it it builds up and builds up. And I think for the, the people I end up working with, oftentimes they wake up and they're like, how is this my life? They just have a moment where they look around and don't recognize themselves anymore. And it happens slowly. Um And I know back in my own journey, when I had started working with a coach years and years ago, I was losing my Sundays to dreading my Mondays. And then I was losing my Mondays to just not enjoying the work I was doing, not feeling connected to it. And it just got to a point where I I realized how heavy it had all gotten. And it wasn't like there was one big thing. There had been some big things. And I knew I'd made some conscious choices about how to get out of it. But it really is this slow buildup over time sometimes for people of meeting expectation. You think you're doing the right thing, you know, to, to get by and get approval. But, you know, sometimes you wake up and you have this moment and you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't I, I don't exactly know how I got here. I know I did. Here I am. But I don't I, I, I don't recognize myself in this situation. And what do I do about that? Tell me if that answered the question. It's it's slow and constant, and then it shows up sometimes all at once, and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> right. It's like I'm reminded of that old Talking head song, you know, that has the line, you know, this is not my beautiful house. Right. <laughs> How did I get here, you know? Yeah. How do I work this? It's kind of like just these moments where you just wake up and go, wait, what? What? What, <laughs> what life am I Yeah. And that, yeah. that moment... This is, again, bringing back the mindfulness. I think sometimes we're like, this this cannot, the no, this isn't mine. And you've got to start by saying, yes, it is. This is mine. This is where I am. This is what is happening. And what do I do next? So you got to get really real with the present moment instead of fighting against it. It's like, nope, I'm here. This is it. This is what's happening. This is my life. And, and then whatever comes after. Yeah, I know that so much. You have to start from where you are. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and that's like, a, I think, a, sort of the foundational message I'm getting from you is like in your work is like, you've got to start from here. And that's like, you know, and that's a big context. That's a yeah. giant big context. And no judgment for here. Here is exactly where you ended up with all of your, you know, doing right and trying hard and figuring it out. Here is just where you are. And it's, it's exactly in the perfect place to start. No problem. 
Beautiful. So I just, I, we could talk all day. How do people find you so they can or learn about their North Star and sure. get where they want to be? Wait, actually, ultimately, I would love to direct people to the Mindful Coach Association. Um, they can find me there. I'm certainly in and among the coaches. And from there, you know, you can find my site and a little bit about the work that I do. I say all the time, I'm just really passionate about getting people connected with coaching. So yeah, please come find me at the Mindful Coach Association. And while you're there, if, you know, coaching in this process sounds appealing and, you know, it's not necessarily me that you feel called to, there's amazing coaches that are gathering there right now. And so I'd love to direct people to that resource to find me or just find their person. Thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. We do have a lot of great coaches there and Elizabeth is has been a supporter of the of the association. So thank you for that and for the great work that you're doing. Uh, it's deeply appreciated. So look her up. Uh, come and find Elizabeth Swan on the Mindful Coach Association. Jump to her website and give her a call and connect and see if there's uh, some goodness that can happen there. I'm sure that there is. So thank you so much for the great work that you're doing and your contribution to helping people become what they can be. I sometimes go so far as to speak on behalf of the universe and say thank you for that work. Thank you. You're creating some wonderful opportunities for those of us who are out here doing the work. So thank you for, for this opportunity and for the opportunities you're creating for all of us. It's appreciated. It's my privilege. And, and when I have lovely souls like you to talk with, why would I do anything else? It's so beautiful and, and um, inspiring to hear the great work that people are doing. And, and it's so necessary and so urgently needed in, the, in our culture today that I just feel like it's irresponsible in a way to not amplify these these voices. So, so thank you once again. Elizabeth Swan, thank you for showing up. Appreciate it. And um, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Mindful Coach Podcast. And that's a wrap for this edition of the Mindful Coach Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this presentation. And if you did, follow us and leave us a review. If you're a coach or helping professional that values mindfulness in your work, browse over to mindfulcoachassociation.com and create a free community profile describing your services so the world can find you. And you'll be invited to exclusive community meetings where you can meet your colleague. I'm your host, Brett Hill, founder of the Mindful Coach Association, coach and coach trainer teaching the Mindful Coach Method. You can find out more about me at themindfulcoach.com. Until next time, stay present.